Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. I'm Jose Palomino, founder of Value Prop and your host. And today's guest is Angelo Ponzi. And Angelo is a, an experienced, dynamic strategist for growth. He's, uh, I consider him a fellow traveler in looking at businesses holistically, really looking at the strategic moving parts that need to be thought through so that you can actually put up a marketing and sales program that will be successful for your business. So listen closely as Angelo joins us right now. Well, welcome, Angelo, to Business Growth on Purpose. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited about the uh, upcoming conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. So, Angelo, just to give context to our listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about what you primarily do and who you do it for? Sure. So uh, by day, I'm a fractional chief marketing officer, and so I work in the C-suite with organizations helping to define their strategic direction. I use research to help identify what's going on with their competition, the marketplace, their customers, and I use that in helping to position and create messaging and then long-term strategic plans for growth. I call myself a marketing architect. And then on the flip side, once those kind of plans or blueprints are in place, I become a general contractor and I bring in teams of people to help execute or I work with uh, internal teams that they might have. I'm primarily B2B, work with a lot of manufacturing and SaaS products, but I do have some B2C background as well. Okay, fantastic, Angelo. And I can certainly relate to to what what that entails because, and that brings up one of the the key questions I wanted to explore with you today, Um, this idea of strategy in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's what I mean by that. So, you know, typical, you have a contract manufacturer that clocking at, you know, 11 million a year, something like that size. Right. So small, you know, they have their 40,000 square foot facility and uh, they they've had these big OEM clients and they keep busy and they're they're moving along. So the idea of like, hey, you need to be thinking strategically for the future isn't always an easy thing for them to get their heads wrapped around. Because they're executing, they're in execution mode. So I'm just curious in your experience, when you talk to an owner, a leadership team, a C-suite, as you described it, in a smaller setting, um, who maybe your sense is they're not really, they don't understand strategy very well. What are some of the things you share to help them think about the value and taking that step back so they could take more steps forward? Yeah, well, first of all, it's interesting because I would say in the types of, uh, clients that we're talking about here, the first thought when you th- they think marketing is, is all tactical. So part of the job is to right, get them exactly. to stop thinking that way, right? It's not about the execution. And so I really like to, first of all, dig into their internal data and understand more about their business. And that helps me shape the conversation for them to understand that if you're looking to grow, I actually have a, a, a manufacturer in the Midwest right now and they have a very vertical niche, but they want to expand into new markets. And so we can look at the strategy of, do we take the existing products they have and move those into new verticals? 
do we look at new verticals and look at, do we have to create new products or certainly in a diversification strategy is new products, new markets. And so we kind of just start there is how can we migrate and expand and looking at adjacent markets to help grow your business without investing and maybe in a lot of infrastructure and things like that. Uh, working with another client recently, we're talking about expanding the services that we do, but the requirement would be a whole new set of, of a team and manufacturing equipment. And therefore it doesn't make sense because it's a heavy lift to really expand into that. So really focus on that from a strategic standpoint. I also consider myself a holistic marketer. So I want to sit in a room with the manufacturing, with operations, mm. with, you know, inventory management. We, we all have to understand because, again, as marketers, if we're wildly successful, impacts everybody. If we're not successful, it impacts everybody. So um, everybody has to understand the roles and how it works. And that's, for me, is where the strategic part, part starts is how do we get there? You want to be $25 million or your $11 million company today? You can't just wish that, right? right. There's no, uh, there's no hope, <laughs> you know, strategy is not a hope is not a strategy, I think is the saying. Right. And so laying that, that approach, how do we get there? How do we, you know, make those moves? What's going to happen? Then you can start thinking about tactics because a tactic might be acquisition. It had sure. nothing to do with traditional marketing. Right. So what's interesting is, and I'm sure I, I can't imagine you haven't had some maybe upfront conversations with folks who start off the conversation with, I need a new website. All the or, time. All the time. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, well, yes, I, you might. And, you know, at least that's what I usually say. I say, I don't know, maybe you do need a new website, but what are you trying to do yeah. is, is the, is the better question. And, and not everybody can track with that, but, but I'm sure you, I, mean, I can't imagine with the success you've had, you haven't found that people will cross that bridge once you present it to them. Like this is, this is a different way, a, a broader way of looking at things. Um, and, and part of those conversations is to really get management to open their minds. Um, you know, in a, in a recent engagement with a, in the, on the manufacturing side, you know, we sat down and they were just talking to, you know, our marketing is bad. We haven't had a good, you know, marketing team. And, you know, we really need to fix our website, all the things we're talking about, right? To get our social program, get some more press releases. And I got them to step back. And, and to your point is, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know what's relevant to your customers. Mm. I said, we've got to get it out of the conversation in this room because ultimately you're not going to buy your own services. You're not going to spend the money. Right. So we need to understand what's happening in the marketplace, because if we want to ultimately create a website and communications tools, I need to know what what's important to them. I was doing some work for a company last year. They're like 74 years old, but still relatively small. And and I convinced them, I mean, at great angst to let me do customer research. And so in interviewing their customers, they they were right. They were well-respected. People knew them. They, they almost were always included. However, what they didn't understand is that most of their current customers, their, the, the um, mechanical engineers that they dealt with, were all in retirement age. Mm. And within 10 years, they would all be gone. And the new generation of engineers didn't really know this company. And they were already starting to repackage, look at more green products, and so my, one of my conclusions to them was, your market's going to die off or retire um, unless you do something about it. 
And that would just that one insight help change the way they think, which they would have ignored if they didn't, you know, do some due diligence in the marketplace. And it was a lot more material to their long-term success than the new website and whatever, just, you know, just singing to the choir, basically the same story, right? When there was a, there might be a completely different story they have to take forward to that next generation of buyer. That's absolutely right. It's, it's, you know, and what we do is you have to understand who they are. How do they consume information, right? If you're targeting somebody in their 60s, they might still want, you know, pieces of paper, right? A case study or a mm-hmm. white paper where, you know, if we're talking to, you know, millennial, which are now in their you know, mid-30s or younger, you know, they want videos. They want technology. They're not going to sit and read a 50-page white paper, right? So, you know, you have to understand your customers. Right. And horrors, they might actually want to see it on TikTok. I mean... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't know. And those things seem like, you know, I've had this conversation, especially in the industrial categories. Like, no, no, our, our people aren't into all that Facebook, Instagram. So I'm not saying, really? Are you sure? I said, it's possible your peer that you've been dealing with, to your point, for the last 20 years isn't into it, like you're not. But unless, and I love the way you said it at the very outset of this conversation, unless you're your own customer, you're buying from yourself, then it really doesn't matter what we think. It matters what our customers think. And then, I love what you did there, as you said, and not just the customer you have today, which could be fine, you know, but then things could fall off the cliff pretty quickly as as baby boomers and the children of baby boomers start, like, as you said, retiring or deciding, you know, I'm going to do something else. And and that key contacts lost. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and that's another strategy, as I tell companies. You know, I, I, do, I do this, these assessments. And one of the questions I always ask is how how much time does upper management spend with customers? And usually it's, you know, 5% or frankly, in many cases, just zero. And, and what I say to them, if, if I'm your contact, your main contact, and I leave, you've, you're not covered right now. You got to start all over again. So I always like to look at how can you go up and down the, the elevator, if you will, to make sure that there's a lot of different connections within an organization. They got a problem. Hey, call me. I'm the CEO. But, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, middle management or whatever, you've got those connections. So if somebody leaves or somebody changes, you're not vulnerable. And, you know, if you got a client that all, you know, 30% of your business is coming from them and something happens, you know, that's a, that's a devastating blow to many organizations. And I don't think they think that way. You know, a lot of them just think, oh, they love us. They're buying our products. Things are good. But we all know life changes sometimes very quickly. And, you know, the other thing, too, and I'm sure uh, you have found this often as you do voice of customer type work, what you're describing on the front end mm-hmm. is, you know, your customer tells you they why if you ask the question, I'm sure you do. Like, why do they buy from us? And they tell you mm-hmm. it's for these reasons. And they may, in fact, be a happy customer. Their customer may, in fact, be happy with them, but they may be buying for completely different motivations than their than 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 your clients assuming. And that's significant in terms of what you're, go- you're going to emphasize on that new website, collateral piece, video series, testimonials, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, you know that I would say, I'm going to guess 60, 70%, which is high of most companies when it comes to their tactics, their website, they tend to be very company centric. We've mm-hmm. been in business for 40 years and we have done this and done that and you know, our products are great. Huh, who cares? Right. What's in it for me? And, and so I, I really try to get people to understand we have to flip the script. 
If I'm gonna somebody's gonna come to your website, which is in my opinion, today's calling card. Mm-hmm. You know, that McKinsey studies and there's studies all over the place. You know, 85% seems to be the number I see all the time that 85% of B2B organizations are gonna go to the website first and do their due diligence before they ever pick up the phone. And if they're not finding you and if they're you know just doing a search and not finding you on page one, you're in trouble. And when they eventually you're find you, you're effectively invisible. Ten other credible options have presented. And how many people are going to check? They go check out ten, five, three, but yeah, not forty-two. If you're yeah, number exactly. forty-two, you're, gonna you're be- never going to get the call. <laughs> yeah, you're, they're never going to find you exactly on page ten. Um, and and then when they do get there, the message has to be relevant to them. I have to have a reason. What's in it for me as your potential customer? How? What's the value? Great, you're around 67 years. That just says you've got some longevity in the market, you're doing something right. But that's a reason to believe to me, not the primary reason why I buy. And and I think a lot of companies, they get in their own heads, they you know sit in the boardroom, they have all these discussions, and you know, they convince themselves that you know what they're thinking is right without ever talking. I tell this story and I'll tell it if you don't mind, real quick about Vizio and uh, it was a case study where when Avatar came out years ago in 3D, the movies in 3D, 3D, everybody got excited about 3D. Mm-hmm. And they decided to roll out a 3D television. And Panasonic, Vizio, and Sony were all kind of racing to the market. And Vizio got there first. So sales took off and then dropped like a rock. Eventually, it got out of the marketplace. And, it, and in the postmortem, it came down to a really strong primary reason why it failed. And that was consumers didn't want to wear 3D glasses all the time to watch television. And what's even more interesting is it came up in the board meeting or a a strategy meeting and somebody said, what about the glasses? And it was just totally dismissed. They never talked to a consumer. They didn't do any market test because they were convinced because of the excitement. So, I mean, that's an extreme example, but it happens all the time. Sure, Windows 8. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, that's a, they put a billion dollars into Windows 8 and nobody wanted touchscreens, not, not as a regular everyday computer experience, because it actually hurts your shoulders as you reach out all day. You, you're just not designed ergonomically to experience computing that way. You know, just interesting. Same point. So there's a certain amount of arrogance. The, the big difference, though, uh, Angela, of course, is, you know, Microsoft, Vizio, they can survive a hundred yeah. million dollar mistake. But a lot of the companies we work with that are owner-led, you know, $10, $20 million, that level of mistake, you're out of business. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, it's exactly right. A huge mistake like that, you're done. And again, rushing to market, just thinking, you know, I, I like to say there's no, you know, there's no silver bullet in marketing. There mm-hmm. just isn't, right? I jokingly say silver bullets are good for werewolves and to play the Lone Ranger. Other than that, it's useless. And so to think that, you know, one thing is going to solve all their problems. And that's where, you know, kind of the other thing I like to think about is integrated marketing. What are the, what are all the ways that you think about the funnel and you move through the funnel? Tools you might have to drive somebody to the top of the funnel may not be the same ones at the bottom or in the mid funnel. And so understanding back to customer journey, how do they consume information? What's their flow? How does it work? And that's why all those things are important these days. Um you know, I'll say we've been around a little little bit longer than maybe uh, some of your listeners, but we understand that it used to be, you know, television and print ads and things like that. And 
you know, that it's all changed. And so understanding how a, a prospect moves and digests information and what's important, longevity. I've seen some things in some of the recent clients where, you know, they're, they're working on a, a deal for, you know, 300 days before they get a close. Yet others, you know, they start on a Monday, they're closed on a Friday. So under even understanding that cadence changes the way you communicate. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. You, you alluded to before the 67-year-old business, right? And uh, I've seen a lot of that, especially in the more industrial, the, the manufacturing kind of world where people want to tout their longevity. And they don't realize that for a certain generation, that may be a signal that they probably have old equipment. Yeah. They probably have old processes. You know, that may not be a, 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 an attractive thing. So it's just interesting to have how you need to test all those assumptions because they're assumptions. We don't know unless until you find out, until you talk to people. And 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 I, one other point, and I just want to loop back to it. I think it's an important point. The number of owners and senior leaders in these smaller companies that have not really continued talking to their customers. They did at the early days when they got it off the ground. That was part of the entrepreneurial Yep. But they forgot that. And that's an important step, especially if, if like your house is on the line and you've taken out an EIDL loan for a million dollars, like get close to your customers because it really does matter to know what's going on. Well, you know, when COVID happened, you know, as a marketer, I mean, I've seen it through recessions that when COVID happened, you know, marketing, everybody cut their marketing budgets, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're looking for cash. I mean, for you know, for three months, it was like, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? And, and so I actually went back and, and started looking at recessions because I've, I've been through one or two. And there's a lot of studies out there to talk about companies that invested during the recessions. So I looked at COVID as that when it was over and they came out, they were much stronger. They had more market share and they were the leaders. Why? Because everybody else was kind of dropping off. And so I spent a lot of time writing about that and really going on podcasts and webinars and seminars and articles. And that was my focus for that 90 days while I was trying to kind of convince people they shouldn't be, you know, not marketing. Right. And I, and I, and I, you know, that's a strength that I think as we now potentially looking at a recession that companies need to understand, you just can't drop off the face of the earth and expect your business is going to be the same way it was. But the one thing that I would say to companies is, you know, as you're reshaping and retooling your business, whether we're repositioning or whatever it happens to be, if you're not talking to your customers, the people that buy your stuff, you need to understand what's happening in their world. If you're selling a widget, you know, to a manufacturing company and that manufacturing company is in an industry that is now really hurt, mm -hmm. you know, you might be getting back online, but maybe that market has dried up. And now you're in a different situation strategically to how do I grow my business or even maintain my business if I have to look for new verticals. And so I, I always say, I need to know what they think in order to continue to sell because we might be chasing some vertical markets that are in trouble for other reasons than maybe yours because of, of you know, post-COVID. Yeah. And if you could start even framing, let's say they're facing some challenges. I'm selling catalytic converters to automobile companies that are now converting to EVs. Mm -hmm. There's no need for a catalytic converter. Um, do I have solutions for them where they're going? You know, if you become that problem solving firm, even as a small company, you're going to get a, a more prominent place at the table, right? So 
it's it, it, but thinking through to your customer's problem, your customer's challenges, and can we solve them? Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to loop back just a little bit to your reference on recession. I've been to, through a few, you know, down, you know, crazy <laughs> things. I, I, I lived in New York City during 9-11 and was in the, uh, had just uh, gone through a dot, the dot bomb and not knowing what to do. Then 9-11 hits and it's like, OK, this is not going the right way, you know, with the young family and so on. So those tough moments happen. And just mm-hmm. in, that, in that span of time, 20, 25 years, is that is the Great Recession, 2012 wasn't so great, you know, and then COVID, you know, so like, it seems like every five, six years stuff happens. But what's interesting is, again, especially in the more industrial categories, I've seen in the last two years because of the backlog, supply chain backlogs and so on, a lot of companies have boomed like used car dealers. And they all think maybe, maybe we were marketing geniuses after all. Yeah. But it's a rising tide issue. So your thoughts on investing, even when things like, you, you know, we grew 20. I, I've actually heard this. Well, we've grown 20% year over year the last two years. We don't need you. And I'm thinking, wow, what a way to look at it when, you know, it, the other side is we got to cut back to survive. This one is, hey, we're fat, dumb, and happy. We're good. Any thoughts on that? Like what, doubling down on success maybe is the way to, to ask the question. Yeah, well, that gets into... And you said the word arrogance. I mean, it's and and that's by not understanding the reality of what's happening. I, I worked in and on the business side of of the action sports industry years ago, and I had a research company very specifically devoted to that. And when I entered the market, I would hear things like, "Hey, I've got a skate team of of five skaters. I don't need your data. It's impossible." But over time, as that industry exploded, it was, it, everybody's doing great. Why do we need this information? But when it turned, all of a sudden, I was real popular <laughs> because <laughs> I had a lot of insights that nobody else had. Okay. And so I think companies, once again, have to look at you know, expansion. How do you expand? And recognizing that what's kind of recession-proof. I, I worked for a financial services company a few years back and we were doing the kind of the Jim Collins good to great following that format. And one of the questions was the strength of your brand, what it stands for, and could you sell other products and services based on, you know, what your brand stands for? And I thought that was really interesting because how would we, if, if the credit card industry took a turn, what else could we do with you know the, our infrastructure and things like that, so I think that's always a good challenge. I have, a, I have a client that focuses in the in the Christmas industry, so very cyclical. But Christmas is for them is three hundred and sixty four days, not five days, right? Because sure. Christmas is the day off, but it literally starts the day after Christmas and it builds up to Christmas Day. And but in the spring, is there you know gathering and and you know getting accounts? There's always kind of troughs and in, in, in what the business looks like because nobody's putting Christmas up in March. So one of the questions was how do we expand using the same stuff that we have into new markets? And we found just a ton. It was the movie industry, it was mm. you know the flags on the side of the, the roads that you see, you know, in, on towns talking about Christmas. Well, you can do that for the fourth of July, you can do that for Easter. And so we were looking at how do we start to create, you know, a, I won't say recession proof, but certainly business proof the company 
in times when, you know, Christmas is still ramping up. And, and so that was a, a big challenge and, and overcome that. We brought in some printing equipment so we could do our own flags and all those kinds of things. Did it change the nature of the business? Not really, because we were already doing that for Christmas. Right. It's a um, different holiday focus, but it's a holiday company, basically. It, can do exactly. That. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Angel Ponzi, this has been fantastic. Really enjoy. The, I love talking this stuff, strategy, and, you know, with a uh, fellow traveler who's doing some really great work. Uh, so Angelo, if somebody listening to this wanted to learn more about you and what you do, they said, well, that, that guy sounds like a really smart guy. Well, I should talk to him. Where should they go? I think probably the easiest would be my LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I have a lot of stuff. I have videos there, all, all sorts of information and certainly links to my website. So that would, but LinkedIn would probably be the easiest. Fantastic. Well, Angela Ponzi, thank you for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.